Welcome to Five Alive. It's so fantastic to have you with us today. We are enjoying another lovely day where we are going to start a new series. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to walk back through the Bible and we're going to talk about over the next several weeks, different stories that lead us to the understanding of who Christ is from the beginning of time. And we're going to talk about those historical moments, those historical facts of what has occurred in regards to why we need Jesus so much in our life and why he is such a powerful king, master, and savior. So today we're going to start right in the beginning, not talking about creation, but just after creation. God has created man and woman. The man has the name of Adam and the woman has not yet been named in the portion of scripture that we're going to read, but she does get a name from Adam later on, Eve. And so Adam and Eve are in the garden that God has created. It's a beautiful place. There are trees that bear fruit, there are vegetation, there are animals there. Adam has named most of the animals, if not all of the animals at this point. Eve comes along because no suitable helper was found for Adam. And today we're going to talk about the moment when sin entered the world. Because this is the whole fall of mankind. This is the reason why we need Jesus in our lives. And so as a result, we're going to look at this passage of scripture and we're going to break it down. Then we're going to go into the New Testament and see how important it is for us to recognize that sin is in our lives. No matter how long we've been serving Jesus, no matter if we don't serve Jesus, sin is in our lives. We need to repent and we need to cast all of our sins and all of our cares and all of our troubles and all of our doubts and any kind of deception that's come our way that causes us to be depressed, any of those things that's come along in our lives, we cast those things on Jesus, and he is the master who helps take all of that, give us control back in the regards of we are new creations in Christ, and we have a hope for tomorrow. So we're going to open up with Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. This is Original sin, this is the fall of mankind. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden god hath said ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it lest ye die and the serpent said unto the woman ye shall not surely die for god doth know that the in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took 
of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. All right, so uh, pop culture, regular, normal society, uh, it's been amazing to see this passage of scripture, just these six verses get so entangled with mythology and not even close to the actual story that's happened here. I'm just going to point this out with a few things. When it says in the very first verse there, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. What was the serpent? Was it a snake? Was it an anaconda? Was it a dragon? What was the snake? It was a beautiful beast that still had legs. (laughs) So it's a snake with legs. A snake with legs. Absolutely. And so this is something that's hard. Oh, go ahead, Mellor. That would be in, I guess it would be called mythology. What? Or something like mythology. that. It, well, basically people would interpret interpret it as a dragon because it had legs. Yeah, exactly. That, that That's what I'm getting at is, is so you have all of these different, but even today in common uh, Christian literature, when you see a child's book that is created, you have a tree and you have a regular modern day serpent that we've seen every single day of our lives. And the fact that it had legs, it's not even mentioned in our picture Bibles, if you will. And so this idea has evolved throughout the years that there is um, this weird connection mythologically, but yet at the same time, we allow our minds to wander to, oh, it's just a regular old snake. And so therefore, maybe there is no such thing as the devil. And it's been a way to help desensitize us to sin, in my opinion, that has created a, a, a total catastrophe within our ability to talk to people and to believe in our own hearts of who Jesus really is. So the serpent was what? The devil took on the form of the serpent. I mean, that's where the serpent gets cursed later on and becomes the snake we know today. Yeah, exactly. There are old books, and of course you don't normally hear about this in regular church, but they're called bestiaries. And in these bestiary books, they have these mythological figures, these dragon-like figures and these different mythological figures that have existed throughout the world um, in different people's minds. And so some of that does exactly exemplify to people today what evil is. And A lot of people like to blame somebody else for the fact that they've done something wrong. And so with that in mind, that is one of the first mistakes we make when it comes to sin, is we say that the tempter, the serpent came along and he then tempted Adam and Eve to the point where it wasn't really their fault, but the temptation was too great that they could no longer bear it. Is that true? No. All right. Secondly, we have, uh, just out of curiosity, what, what was the first fruit that Adam and Eve, um, what, it, what was the first fruit that Adam and Eve ate? The fruit of the spirit? No. <laughs> the life. The fruit nope. of the life. Nope. The fruit of the, nope. I don't know. There was the tree of life, but they did not eat from that. That's why they were kicked out of the garden. Right, right. So what did they eat of, Bella? Apple. No. 
There are people, you're right, because there are a lot of people in the West specifically that believe that the first fruit that was eaten was an apple. In the Middle East, what is the fruit that they think it was? A pomegranate. Yeah, a pomegranate. However, the reality of this is if the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's the fruit they ate of. Okay. <laughs> if the tree of knowledge of good and evil bore an apple or a pomegranate, why would we still have access to it today when Adam and Eve were banned from the garden? I don't know. So mythologically speaking, this has entered into Christianity in a way that we have to know. Our brains can't comprehend sin unless we know what the exact fruit was that Adam and Eve ate for some reason. So since we don't know what the fruit was, does it really matter? No. No. The serpent doesn't matter to our story other than the fact that it was a tempter coming along Evil coming along, tempting somebody to do something wrong. Sin had not yet entered the world, but yet you have the tempter coming along, the serpent, the devil, a lot of people call, and you have a fruit, which a lot of people want to describe as an apple and or a pomegranate, but neither one of these things matter. Another question I want to ask you is a lot of people like to talk about the fact that Eve ate of the fruit first. How long did it take Adam to also eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil after Eve did. Not long because she was like, oh, hey, Adam, this fruit tastes good. Why don't you have some? He did, she didn't tell him what fruit, it, what, what tree it came from. I wouldn't go that far. What you just read didn't even mention that. It said that he was with her. Was he? Yeah. That's what you just read, isn't it? Mm. Read that again right there in verse number six, right at the end. Uh, of it where it says and a tree to be desired to make one wise and you go ahead from there she hmm. took of the fruit therefore and did eat and also gave to her husband with her and he did eat who was with her hmm. so even when the serpent was tempting eve where was adam right beside her he was right there with her we, as men, for some reason, love to overlook this passage of Scripture or this one little portion of Scripture that says, and he was with her, because we want to, again, place the blame on somebody else, which is exactly what we continue to read. If you continue reading Genesis chapter 3, you see that Eve put the blame on the serpent, or Adam put the blame on Eve, Eve put the blame on the serpent, and then we have to put the blame, of course, on the fact that God created the fruit to look so good and so desirous of us to eat, so therefore, obviously, it's God's fault that we broke his commandments. But is that really the truth? No, it's just our way of trying to find a way out of the fact that we did something that was wrong. So, what is sin? Sin is the disobedience of God's commands. Okay, the disobedience of God's commands. They hadn't yet, there hadn't been really any commands yet given other than do not eat of these two trees, right? Yeah. And so what is, like, is that the only sin that there is? Like, God can then go ahead and make up a whole bunch of commands later on, and then we have to obey them? Or, or is, is there a natural order of things that God has set into place from the beginning of all creation, and we cannot break those things? The, the latter, the second one. But the Adam and Eve were already made perfect, and so then, therefore, they already followed those commands to the letter, except 
but that's why God had to add the extra of do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and do not eat of the tree of life. What is original sin? The fall of man. The fall of man. It is also um, another way I love to look at what original sin is, placing oneself above God in any capacity. Absolutely any capacity. And we'll talk about that more as we go on with our, with our time uh, through the next couple of weeks, but also we're going to talk more about it uh, today as well. Did Adam's manipulation technique of pretending like he had not planned to disobey God, but instead of protecting the woman, Eve, he threw her straight into the awaiting arms of a serpent, help matters? Or did, is Adam really the first committer of sin as opposed to Eve who really ate the fruit? Didn't Adam kind of just pretend, manipulate, didn't he give in to sin well before Eve even took a look at the fruit when he knew what the tempter was saying to him? Yeah. I mean, he was right there with Eve. He could have been the voice of reason. He was the one that was given the command to not eat. Eve wasn't even created yet when Adam was given the command to not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. He had passed that knowledge on to Eve, mm -hmm. and yet when the tempter came, Adam didn't do anything to prevent the serpent from capitalizing on Eve and his own desire to take of the fruit. There's several questions that then arise. That was Adam and Eve that sinned. That wasn't us. And just because Adam and Eve sinned, therefore sin entered the world, that shouldn't have a reflection on me. I'm not the one that originally sinned. It's Adam and Eve that did. And so therefore, how can we blame all of the problems of sin in my life on Adam and Eve? And how come they don't just take full responsibility and face all of the blame? Why, it, why is it that I today can be told that I am a person of sin? And the way that we look at this is we look at the first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve, freely chose to place themselves above God's commands and the natural order of what the Creator intended. By this, sin and death entered the world, and the solution of this is only rebirth in the Spirit, which is only possible through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Belief and confession of your sins, along with repentance, then pronouncement of Jesus as your master, judge, king, and Lord, will bring salvation into your life, and you are then living as an alien in this world, awaiting the second return of Christ, upon which time this world will be brought into proper repair for which she is groaning for. Jesus's return. We find this in Romans chapter 8 verses 19 through 23, which we're not going to look at today, but it says that the world is groaning for the return of Christ. And this is why we have earthquakes, fires, tornadoes, hurricanes, plagues, cancer, COVID-19, war, accidents, pain, grief, depression, bad doubt, etc., is because these are the results of original sin. And now before you just blame Adam and Eve, stop, think through your life and ask yourself one of these questions. Have I ever 
thought of myself better than anyone else. Anyone else. I mean anyone else. No matter what, have I thought of myself as better than someone else? Have I ever hurt my fellow mankind? Have I ever hurt this world? An animal or a tree? Have I ever done any of those things? Have I ever rejected or hated our creator God? Have I ever lied? Have I ever cheated or deceived somebody? Am I guilty of not being perfect according to the original reason God created me? If the answer is yes, and my dear friend, I guarantee you it is to any of these questions, then you are no better than Adam and Eve. We all alike have contributed to sin and death's reign in this world. The solution, as I've mentioned, is belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the Holy Bible and according to the scriptures that we hold dear as Christians. Some people have called this in the past naive or contrite. One person even specifically said the opioid of religion is to help remove guilt of the innocent. Is, are these things true? No, they're just the facts. And since these types of doubt or negative doubt are really an evaluate, an elevation of oneself above God, they are a reflection of the original sin which we're talking about today, meaning that this thought process can only be conquered by the Creator who gifted us Jesus Christ as our salvation. We cannot lift ourselves above God. So how do we put all these things together? We find them in several different passages of Scripture, one of them being Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment of following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is good news for us that yes, Adam and Eve sinned. And yes, that sin entered the world causing sin and death to spread throughout all of this globe and cause death to also enter into creation in a way that then makes it true, as the scriptures say, it is appointed unto man once to die. However, Jesus's blood shed on the cross is greater than the moment when original sin came into this earth, meaning that what Jesus did is more profound and more of a blessing than any curse ever could be that came through the result of sin. That is good news for us. 
And not only is that good news for us in a sense where we can see that as I trust Jesus, as I repent of my sins, and as I give them all to him so that that way he can hold on to my life in the palm of his hands and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit navigate this world through those moments of terror or depression or just feeling like God's not right there with me, the Holy Spirit in those moments can prick our hearts and say, I'm right here. You are not alone. And I am helping lead you through this place. And not only that, he's preparing for us a place to go to in the future we're going to continue to look at how sin's entering the world through Adam, but its removal through Christ is evident in the passage of Scripture found in 1 Corinthians. We're going to jump to three separate portions of Scripture here because uh, there is a lot to read, and I'm just kind of hitting on the highlights. If you want to go more in-depth to how significant Jesus's resurrection from the dead helps conquer sin. Read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Today, we're just going to read verses 21 through 25, 42 through 45, and verses 53 through 57. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life giving spirit. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And his, this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This passage of scripture is so exciting because we see that all of the things, the tensions of this world that we see around us all the time, those things that captivate our heart, our mind, and our attention to the point where we just sit in a chair and zone out because things seem overwhelming to the point of grief and sorrow, Jesus conquers those things. Jesus is the one that's conquering those things because those things, those stings that we feel that lead us to the point where we are almost immobilized at times is sin. Sin is the thing that's captivating our mind and our heart and our attention and our time. Sin is the thing that is leading us away from God and 
putting other things above him in the capacity that death temporarily enters into us in the capacity where we are living zombies. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ sets us, a fr- sets us free from those moments so that that way we are no longer zombies, dead in the way of the rest of this world, but we are now new creations, alive and excited about the joy that Christ has given us because our hope is not in this world. I'll tell you what, I can get depressed really quick. I don't know about you guys, but if I turn on the news and I look at CNN or I look at BBC or I look at NDTV or I look at any of these things, I can constantly hear somebody talking about how the world is coming to an end because of one of many things. War is one of them recently, right? We constantly are hearing about Ukraine is going to get invaded. Ukraine is going to get invaded. The other thing that we hear about, we hear about the fact that the world is coming to an end because there's so much pollution, there's so much plastics in the ocean and the toxic chemicals that are reaching into the air and here in Mahali, I mean, we can see it. All we have to do is look out our flat and the fact that we can't see across our courtyard to the other end because of how polluted it is some days as opposed to others is discouraging. And we can sit there and we can talk about the fact that these are man-made. These are man-made. The reality is, is that if in the physical, we are actually seeing with our eyes, is not just man-made because you threw a bottle on the ground yesterday instead of actually putting it in the dustbin, but instead it's a result of the fact that we have sin in our lives and so does our neighbor. What is it that we should do? Ask for forgiveness. Mm. Yeah. And what can we do for our neighbor? Pray. And And be the light of Christ to them. Right. And who's to say that? (laughs) I mean, they may be a source of a light to us as well. Sure. Uh, Let me put it this way. In John chapter 8, verse 7, there was a woman who had been caught in adultery. I needed context with your question of the neighbor. Because so many people speak on, and what about your neighbor? As if they're evil and vile and always going to hell. I get that. I don't like so that therefore, analogy. And that's not what I'm talking about either. And so therefore, let's look at John chapter 8. Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees, and he's asked the question. They've caught a woman in adultery. I don't know where the man was. He wasn't brought. Only the woman was. It's almost like a repeat of the original sin here where Adam kind of shoves Eve off into being the one that's going to commit the original sin and Adam's somehow going to be free of this guilt and shame even though as you've seen, as we've read throughout the New Testament, it's we don't mention Eve. We say Adam was the one that partook of the fruit. Adam is the one that sin entered through. So we see this and here you have the Pharisees again trying to push it off on somebody else. They brought a woman who was caught in adultery and Jesus's answer is he who is without sin can cast the first stone. This is the way, the remedy that so many of us come to. So as to say, We are to ignore anyone who sins and all their sins and pretend like we're not the judge of anybody. And this is a perfect world, free of all evil. And so therefore, we don't care about anybody but ourselves because the only one that I can fix is me. Is that the right attitude to have? 
No. But then do we go around just ignoring everybody else's sin? No. What do we do? Do we go around and point it out? Oh my goodness, you're so full of sin. Do you know what you did the other day? I can't believe you no, did that. We don't go and point it out because no. when people are in sin, they they genuinely confess what sin it is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They know they know they have a, a problem that they're not fully releasing of a habit that they've started and created that's keeping them from a pure relationship with Christ Jesus. And, and it takes time. Sometimes those sins take time to go through. And then there's not that I'm justifying anybody's sin. No. But <clears throat> some people may not know that they're in sin. Right. Because they, it's like if you ask Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, and it's like, okay, well, then I'm just going to go to church and never open my Bible because the more I know about the Bible, then I'm held accountable for it. So if the minister never speaks to me what I'm dealing with, then I'm okay. That's a great point. And that's that's not right. That's not the right attitude because we are held accountable yeah. um, for our actions and for and for reading God's word to to pursue him. Because if we're not in pursuit of Christ Jesus what is your what is your relationship for? I mean, we we hear mm -hmm. the songs, we hear the stories of Christ going after the one, going after the one lamb, rescuing the one. All right, you've been rescued. <laughs> you've asked Christ into your heart. You're you're there now. What exactly now? Are you running after Christ, or is still Christ still coming down and beating the walls down for you, so to say, and getting you out of your your funk of because life? you can't get yourself together, right? Or are you actually pursuing Christ Jesus as your all in all? Like, why am I going through this? Or right, I need to get out of my funk because Christ loves me. Yeah. Christ sees me as good. How am I not seeing myself as good? If Christ sees me as good, I need to see the value and who I am that he finds me good. And those are those are daily things, habits that we work on, daily lifestyle choices that we work on and and continue to live prayerfully a life of full repentance mm -hmm. if we do fall back into sin. Wonderful. You got anything? You guys? I agree. I mean, the fact is, is that original sin resides in us as fallen humanity. And we continue to daily struggle with this because what we're doing is, is we're, Jesus said, be holy as I am holy, be perfect as I am perfect. So we're striving for holiness. We're striving for perfection in our daily lives. And yet something comes along and just smacks us upside the head in the capacity where it is a temptation that we no different than Adam and Eve give into. And 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 say, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. 
And as John is saying that to us, he's pointing out the fact that we must live, as Blair's saying, a life of daily repentance. And that is how we become holy and yea, even perfect. And I know everybody wants to talk about the fact that on this earth, there is no perfection and there is no perfect human being. And I get that. But the reality is, is that should not stop me for striving towards Christ's perfection, because that's exactly what he calls me to. He doesn't lower the bar or the standard, even though we want to lower it so often for ourselves. And yes, even in this 21st century church, the church, unfortunately, has lowered the standard and the bar. I've seen it time and time again, and I watch it, and it disgusts me, the fact that we do this. But the reality is, is that, yes, as the church, mankind has continued to lower that bar so that that way we can come as close to sin as we possibly can without needing to repent, as if that's some kind of a horrible thing to live in complete dependence upon Christ and repentance unto him. It's not. Which leads me to the point of what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask God and God will give him life. To those who commit sins to do not, that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Basically, what John is saying here is we hold a responsibility when we see the action of sin going on in our brother and or our sister's lives, and that is not only to forgive them for the sin that they're already they're already involved in but to additionally repent on their behalf before god for them do we see this happen in the old testament as we're going to get to in a little while between moses and god don't we see the israelites doing things that anger god to the point where he's like i'm gonna open up the ground and they're gonna get gone i'm gonna swallow them whole they're going to die today they're gonna get gone they're gonna get gone they're gonna get got and don't we see moses standing right there face to face with god saying not today god like the reason you brought them out of egypt to just bring them into the desert, to kill every one of them. That's not what you did. That's not what your plan is here. And that's what God wants out of you and me. He wants us to accept not only the responsibility of our own sin, but as we achieve holiness and perfection, that doesn't mean that we all of a sudden just have daily soak conferences where we sit around as if we're some kind of holier than everybody else person looking down our nose at them. No, that's sin. What we do instead is we spend our time on our knees praying for the person that's next door to us who's living in sin that we know that they shouldn't be living that way. And instead of walking across the 
hall or walking across the street and knocking on their door and pointing their sin out. Instead, what we do is we open up our closet, our prayer closet, we get down on our knees and we pray for them repentantly as if it's our sin that we're taking upon ourselves. Isn't that what Jesus does for us also? So why are we so afraid to love our community? Why are we so inhibited with the desire to point the finger at everybody else as the problem, as Adam and Eve did, instead of just accepting the responsibility that I've been placed in this neighborhood, I've been placed on this street, I've been placed in this job, so that that way I can be a light of Christ and be that person of constant repentant prayer for my fellow man. I truly believe that's what God really meant when he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to eat of any fruit except for these two trees. And I really believe that today we can get back towards a life of holiness if we'll stop blaming everything and everybody for every problem we have and spend more time on our knees in repentant prayer. You guys got anything else? You just reminded me of like whenever children get in trouble and the first thing they do is they say it's their siblings' fault. <laughs> yeah, that's a great example. Today we were talking about Adam and Eve. We're talking about original sin. We're going to see how sin continued to infiltrate throughout the world in, histor in historical stories of old. Next week we're going to talk about Noah and the flood. We're going to try and take away some of those mythologies that have infiltrated the story of Noah and the ark, just as we did today. Mallory, will you close us in prayer? Thank you, Jesus, for today and for every single day, and that we will worship you and praise you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Five Alive Out.